Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The word of the Lord. Our second reading today is from Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is God's word. Our second reading is taken from Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight honoring your son's holy name, that he came from heaven and he descended into the darkness to find us. And I pray he does so right now. As we approach your holy word, this narrative, this testimony of grace, may we see you, may we know you, and may we trust you, maybe for the first time. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the work of the Spirit, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. The story of the birth of Christ, it is one of the central events in the history, not only of the Christian church, but of the world where Christ, the begotten Son of God, came to the earth as Messiah, the Savior of human kind and you probably know the details they are amazing the virgin conception and birth the betrothal between Mary and Joseph the long journey to Bethlehem the birth finally in the stable not in the inn 
the star guiding the magi, the angels pronouncing, announcing with glory Jesus' birth to the shepherds. All of these details are so amazing. And that's how we see them and view them today. But in truth, if, if you think about it, the story of how Jesus came into the world is actually kind of quiet, muted, secret. We, of course, know all the details today, but at the time, almost no one knew what was going on. No one was privy to what was happening with this little girl, her betrothed husband, and this baby. Usually we approach the story of Christmas asking the question, why did Jesus come? What was his purpose in coming to earth? That's an important question. And by the end of this little sermon, this little message, we will answer it. But before we get there, to get there, I want to ask a different question tonight. How did Jesus come? How did he do it? In which way and ways did he come to the earth? Because Jesus came in a way and in ways no one Expected. He came in a way that many would have been embarrassed by. This is the Messiah? This is really your best shot that the Savior of the world is going to come as he did? And yet, how he did is utterly meaningful. And as it turns out, wholly necessary because Jesus came in weakness. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, came in Weakness. Now, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by weakness? Well, the way to understand the weakness of Jesus is by understanding who he was before he came to earth. We must compare him, who he was before and then after, where he was both human and divine. Well, before that, he was only divine, wasn't he? He was God. That is what the Christian church, church teaches. Now, that word God is... So ubiquitous in our culture, right? It, it's so, it's all over the place. We all have a different definition of it. And I think that because of that, we cannot, we can kind of pass by it. We can gloss over it. God. Yeah, I believe in God. What do we mean when we say God? What do you mean when you think about it? Because what theologians mean is something amazing. Theologians use words like omnipresent, omnipresent. Jesus was God, and so that means that he existed in all places at all times, throughout the universe, all of the galaxies. Just to put that in perspective, the universe, astronomers say, is 156 billion light years across. I cannot, can't even begin to imagine, comprehend what that means. 156 billion light years across. And Jesus was there. He was everywhere. Jesus was omnipresent. He was omnipotent. Theologians say that God is omnipotent. That means that Jesus was all-powerful. He had unlimited strength. And so you can imagine what that means. His power enabled him to create everything that you see. Everything that we know about, all those 156 billion light years of space and planets and galaxies and solar systems, and it enables him to keep all of that running. 
but it also enabled him to create us, to create you and me, down to every cell, down to every atom. Jesus was omnipotent. Theologians say that God is omniscient. That's the last one of these. He is omniscient. What does that mean? It means that Jesus knows everything. He knew every single part, every quark, every lepton, every atom. And he knows not just the physical universe, but also the spiritual and psychological makeup of all that he has created. He knows us. Every thought. This is how the psalmist says it. You discern my thoughts from afar. Jesus was God. And of course, we're just merely scratching the surface tonight. For Jesus to be God, he must also be perfectly holy, and loving, and beautiful, and eternal. I remember standing at the, at the edge of the Pacific Ocean when I was a child, on the Oregon coast, stepping out, looking at it, putting my feet in, and I stood there, and I, and I tried to take the whole picture in as a child. But I quickly realized that I could not do it. I could not take in the vastness of the cover of that water. And I surely could not behold what lay beneath its surface, where the ocean's vastness increased a million fold. Now, as a child, that is awe-inspiring, but also terrifying. And that was just the ocean. We cannot take into account the full majesty and beauty and power of God. We are finite. He is infinite. Jesus was God. And then 2,000 years ago, he came to the earth as a human baby. Luke 2.7 reads this way. And she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. A single sentence. An almost passing piece of history. But it was him. It was Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, the one who created stars and galaxies, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God of the universe. And friends, he came to the earth in weakness. In weakness. Let's just count some of the ways. Think about how he came to the earth. Jesus was born. He was born. This means that he endured childbirth. Just like all of us did. He endured childbirth. Bloody. Totally dangerous. Painful. When I was born, my mom says that I came out and my nose was pressed to the side like this. I wonder if Jesus had the same thing. It could have been. Because he was born. Jesus was a baby. He was a baby. A human baby. A normal human baby. This is important. He was not a super baby. He had the same strength as everyone else, as every other baby. So fragile. I remember holding my daughter. I probably shouldn't have done this, but I could hold her in one hand when she was born, just six pounds and 14 ounces. So delicate. Jesus too came as 
a baby. In the Gospel of John, it says that Jesus took on flesh and dwelt among us. Think about our flesh, how weak it is. The God of the universe took on our skin. Jesus was a baby. And this means that Jesus needed to be protected. He needed to be protected. And we see this playing out immediately in that little verse. What does it say that Mary wrapped him in swaddling clothes? Wrapped him up. And the basic reason was to protect him. To protect him from the elements. Just think of that. The God who spoke into existence the most massive, powerful, burning hot stars needed to be protected from the night cold. Jesus needed to be protected. He also came without fanfare or acclaim. Jesus came to the earth without fanfare or acclaim. Okay, so yes, the angels did erupt into song, into joyous praise when he was born, but only a few shepherds heard it and saw it. Yes, the Magi were important people and they came to worship him and honor him, but they did so under the threat of death. He came without fanfare or acclaim. Just think about Jesus himself. He came into the world with a bounty on his head. From the second he was born, he was wanted dead. Jesus came without fanfare or acclaim. Jesus, the heralded God of the heavens, the Lord of hosts, he entered into a very simple, poor family under suspicious conditions with his mom and his dad. Born into a barn meant for donkeys and goats and cows. For goodness sakes, Jesus was put into a manger. A manger was simply this thing made out of wood where horses and livestock would drink out of. Jesus came almost secretly, quietly. As a song you'll hear right after this message, falling like a winter snow. Now here's the last way Jesus came in weakness. Jesus came needing the love and protection of his parents. Can you imagine the great care and love of Mary as she wrapped the Son of God, her infant son? The beaming smile and overwhelming gratitude of Joseph as he looked down on his baby boy. Jesus needed them. He needed their love. He needed their covering protection. A tiny baby come into the world in disgrace under the threat of death. He would have died had they not cared for him. But cared for him, they did. They loved him with all of their hearts. Throughout his life, they provided for him, trained him up, loved him. How did Jesus come to earth? The sovereign, all-powerful Lord of the universe came to the world in weakness. Okay, why? Now we can ask it. Why? Why did Jesus come in this way? The Apostle Paul says in the book of Philippians that through, that though Jesus was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Why did he come in this way? Why did he have to come as 
someone divested of his power, of his glory. This is not what we would expect. This is not how we write our own salvation stories, by the way. We make up our own heroes, right? And we always make them into superheroes. We do not make them into weak babies. Jesus was the opposite of our normal conceptions. Why did he come this way? Two things. First, to remind us of who we are. To remind us of who we are. When we gaze upon the Savior as we are doing now, the Savior come into this world, we must admit that Jesus came into the world just like us. The, the birth comes rushing into our world and it reminds us that we too are weak. Like Jesus, we are fragile, but even more so. Physically, emotionally, relationally, psychologically weak. Listen, we try to cover it up. We try to cover up our weakness, but beneath the surface, everyone is far from perfect. We are far from strong. We are a people who are supposed to hold it together, aren't we? We are not supposed to have problems, but we're on the brink. We are expected to perform at work, at our jobs, always, but we are often anxious, often on the edge. As parents, we are expected to raise perfect kids without ever losing it. But let me tell you, our kids are not perfect, and we often lose it. As humans, we are supposed to fight cancer when it comes. But we are scared. And we do not always win. For many, Christmas is simply a reminder of their own weakness. A reminder of all that they have lost. A reminder that they are not in control. That we cannot live forever, though we try. That we cannot create and sustain our joy, though we try. That no amount of societal change, psychological help, will solve our deepest needs, will cover our weaknesses, will make us whole. The reminder of the Christian message, the Christmas message, is that we are weak. But it is not just that. The birth of Christ tells us simultaneously something else. It is a message of hope, is it not? It is a message of hope for the world, that there is hope for us. There is a solution for our weakness. There is an antidote to our brokenness. The story is real. That's the answer. Jesus Christ is real. We do not have to depend on our made-up fairy tales because this one is true. Jesus came into the world to bind up our weaknesses, heal up our wounds, cover our frailty. He came to give us strength, we who are weak. How? How does he do that? How does a God who lays his glory aside, who comes in flesh, how does he save us? This is the last thing that the way that Jesus came reveals something important. It's the last part of the puzzle. His weakness reveals something 
much deeper about us, something much more problematic. We have a weakness only a Savior can cover. We are weak in a way that Jesus was not. We are weak in a way that must be atoned for, paid for. We are sinners. We are sinners. The reason that we are so weak is because we live in a fallen world as fallen creatures. We are slaves to a world that is broken. We are slaves to our own sin and idolatry. And so this means simply that we cannot do what is right when we want to. We cannot serve others and God for their sake. We are weak in sin, the Bible says. And so this is an important point. This is why Jesus did not come as a king. He did not come as a king. Why? Because had he come as a king, he would have had to conquer us too. As a king, he would have had to come and enact perfect justice upon a broken world, a weakened world, including us. What the Bible says is that we as weak, sinful creatures, we are constantly trying to overtake heaven by force. We long for the glory of God's throne for ourselves. And then Jesus comes. The omnipotent ruler of heaven. He emptied himself of strength. He left his throne. He became weak to enter into our darkness. To save us. He had to. He had to come to earth and live as one of us. To live a perfect, sinless life, though tempted in every way that we are. The author of Hebrews says that Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Why? So that in the end, when the time was right, he could become our atoning sacrifice. To bind up and cover our weakness, to atone for our sins, Jesus would have to die utterly weak. Jesus died in a far greater weakness than he came. He came into the world through the trauma of childbirth. He left through the violence of a cross. Jesus, the baby, was wrapped in swaddling clothes to protect him from the cold. At the end of his life, he was stripped naked of his only possession, his very clothing. When he was born, Jesus was placed in the wood manger, a trough for animals. When he was sentenced to death, he was nailed to the wooden cross, the greatest symbol of scorn and humiliation on the earth. Jesus came into this world as a human baby. He took on our weakened flesh. But when Pilate relented before the screaming crowds, he had Jesus flogged, torn apart, and then nailed to the cross through through fragile wrists and feet. When Jesus entered this world, he was immediately bound up by the love and care of his parents, of Mary And Joseph, they cared for him as their child, and he needed that. But when Jesus went to the cross, we are told 
that he lost the love of his true father. That in bearing the punishment we deserved, Jesus, the Son of God, lost the Father's care and protection for you. Christmas marks the wonderful news. It is a reminder of our desperate condition, our desperate need. But it is a reminder of the amazing call to trust on the life and death. Yes, the weakness of Jesus for you. On August 16, 1987, Northwest Airlines Flight 225 crashed just after taking off from the Detroit airport. It killed everyone on board. Except for one little girl, a four-year-old from Tempe, Arizona, named Cecilia. Now, news accounts at the time said that the rescuers, when they found her, they did not believe that she had been in the plane. They They thought that the only way that she could have survived is if she had been in one of the cars that the plane had crashed on. But then they checked the the flight manifest, and there was her name, Cecilia. She had survived when no one else had. How? Cecilia survived because even as the plane was falling, Cecilia's mother, Paula, unbuckled her own seatbelt, got down on her knees in front of her daughter, wrapped her arms around her body, and would not let her go. Nothing could separate that child from her parents' love, neither tragedy nor disaster, neither the fall nor the flames that followed, neither height nor depth, neither life nor death. Friends, that is the Savior's love for us. He left heaven. He lowered himself to us. He became utterly weak. And he covered us with the sacrifice of his own body to save us. Would you allow him to bind you up this Christmas? Would you allow Jesus Christ to cover you, hold you, and save you? Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we again thank you that you have sent your baby Jesus. You did not listen to us. We were crying out for a powerful king. We were crying out for a superhero. We were crying out for something that we did not need, but you sent what we needed. You sent Jesus Christ, the perfect child in weakness, who walked this path, this road, this life in perfection, completely honoring you. And then he honored you a final time by going to the cross and dying for our sins. Oh God, we say thank you. God, I pray for those here who do not know about all this stuff. They don't know if they believe this story. I pray that you would be kind to them, that you would be patient with them, and that you would help them. Use people in their lives to reveal more and more of this story. To reveal in their hearts why they need a Savior. And for we who are still so broken, who are still so weak, oh God, would you help us? 
God, I know there are people here who are suffering, who are hurting. Would you bind them up this Christmas holiday? Would you allow them to enjoy this time while at the same time giving them space to mourn? God, we lie in waiting. You have prepared this place for us that we may wait finally for your return when you will finally bind us up. Christmas again and again calls us to look to you, to see you and trust you. May we do so. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.